<laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> like if it was a family member or a child or something like that. And they're like, my mother literally invented something to explain, to explain why. why I am the way that I am. <laughs> like if you did not need therapy for your mother's psychology dabblings before that, you definitely need it afterwards. <laughs> I'm Paige. And I'm Megan. And this is Spooky Science Sisters. Hello, you're listening to Spooky Science Sisters, a podcast where we present to you a science-based, and probably very giggly, discussion on all things strange and unusual. Today we are diving into the weird, but often fun, and sometimes spooky, world of personality tests. But before we get to today's discussion, we are going to do something spooky. So, Megan, did anything spooky happen to you? Um, not really anything spooky, but I have some thoughts going into this. <laughs> so, first, I think that I just don't need personality tests anymore because I got to see the Barbie movie and that's just who I am now. <laughs> it's all Barbie. <laughs> but I don't know. In terms of spooky stuff, I have been reading some horror books, which has been super fun. I fit and both like have really good like science tie-ins. Um, but one is Devolution by Max Brooks, who's the guy who wrote uh, World War Z. And it's super good. It's like all in the style of like you get like NPR interviews and journal entries and there's volcanoes and Bigfoot and like you cannot go wrong. (laughs) The other one that I just finished is Into the Drowning Deep, which is about scientists going out and finding mermaids. So that's pretty fun too. Also, okay, no, here's the real spooky thing is that I think Paige and I are like, I think we actually angered the fairies. (laughs) (laughs) Because was that the episode that my mic went out the first time? It was, was like that- right after that. Okay. Yeah. It, so, yeah, it was like the episode after. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. So, Paige had one mic that she thought had died. So, we got a new mic and then it worked fine for an episode. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we tried to record this a few days ago and the computer didn't want to recognize the mic anymore. So. Yeah, and now, but now today it is. But now today it does, so. <laughs> I've tried, I think, it's either my third or fourth chord now. Uh-huh. This one seems to be working, but what's weird is that the chord that I had used last week, or last time we tried to record, is the same chord that was plugged into my mic the first time, because I oh. never unplugged it. So I have a feeling that it's just a matter of time before this one freaks out. I don't know. We'll find out. It's a mystery, but Mm -hmm. I think it's fairies, though. (laughs) It's definitely fairies. (laughs) Convinced. We made them mad. Now we're paying for it. Yeah. Paige, did anything spooky happen to you? Outside of the fairies? No, I don't think so. But I did just have to say ditto to Megan's Barbie movie comment because it's basically all I talk about and all I think about now (laughs) And I've already seen it two times, and I have just been, like, trying to find an excuse to see it a third time. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, I will be buying it 
and watching it many times after yeah. it comes out. I know. It was really good. Here we are to tell you <laughs> to go see the Barbie movie if you haven't yeah. seen it yet. This, uh, this podcast, or this time around, we are the Barbie movie and Spooky Books podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, guys, go read those books. They're like really good. I think they'd really be every- up everybody's alley who listens to this podcast. So we command you we demand that you do this Paige hasn't even read these books so no i've not read any of them you've got time (laughs) are we ready to do personality tests we probably have too many notes for this episode so we're gonna see what happens and how long this takes yeah i tried to cut some of mine short so we didn't have like 15 pages of notes (laughs) well yeah (laughs) okay so We're going to do a little bit about the background of personality tests and why we as a society seem to be so fascinated by them and sort of like a justification of, you know, why we've chosen this for this episode. And then we're going to talk about a couple of specific tests that both Paige and I took. And so you get to hear our results and see how you all feel about that. Yeah. And then we'll wrap things up and be done. Okay. So first, we can talk about where personality tests originated. So typifying humans into distinct personality groups. Uh, So the OG for that is the four humors or humoral humoral theory. This is a lot of words that are going to be a struggle. (laughs) So this goes back a lot further than I thought. Like I thought when we started talking about like personality tests and everything that, I mean, I guess I logically knew from taking a psychology class in high school that, you know, they date back a ways, but I wouldn't ever have guessed this far. So I guess people are people. We like to define who everybody else is relative to us, and we always have. (laughs) But this dates all the way back to 400 BC, or BCE, I guess is the the more secular way of saying it, (laughs) and was brought about by the Greek physician Hippocrates. So the idea here is that the body is essentially a shell that is made up of four humors and each of those humors is related to a different I guess to three different things it's related to a different fluid or guess component that made up the human body of which there were four also related to a different natural element and like air fire earth and water elements not the way that we would think of them today And each one also corresponds to one of the four seasons. And these humors are supposed to influence the mind and physical health. So we're talking both like mental and physical uh, stuff going on here. And the four fluids that I spoke of that are meant to like make up the human body are blood, yellow bile, black bile, and phlegm. So it's just nasty all around. (laughs) But it was apparently what people thought of how everybody got their personality. So the humors, you could be sanguine, which meant that you were governed by blood, and blood corresponds to air. And in this case, you are happy and hearty and you're having a great time. Uh, You could be melancholic, 
So this means that you are filled with black bile, which sounds pretty nasty. It's also corresponded to the element of earth, but you are cold, you're sad, you are very clear-headed apparently, so there are some good things that come along with each of these. Choleric means you're fueled by yellow bile and corresponds to fire, and so of course that's the one where you're angry and fiery and volatile. Or you could be phlegmatic, and that means that you were ruled by water, and your corresponding bodily fluid is phlegm, which is just delightful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this case, you were very rational and calm and reserved and brainy was one of the other adjectives I, I saw put with this. So the idea here with the four humors is that in order for you to have good mental and physical health, they needed to be balanced. And yes, I guess this means that somebody could be too sanguine, which like, you're too happy, not great. (laughs) Uh, Or you could be too, I guess, too rational or too calm or reserved could be a problem sometimes. But the fact that they're like, yeah, you could just be too happy and we got to do something about it that (laughs) is weird to me. Okay, but this is where we get weird shit like bloodletting, for example. Like, oh, you're a little too... You're a little too happy. We're going to just do a little bleeding and try Is to that balance really where things it came out. From? Yeah, like this idea of like removing different fluids from people's bodies and stuff like that is like all related to like balancing the humors and balancing those fluids and like trying I to get somebody healthy again. Crazy, right? Crazy. <laughs> um Yeah, so sanguine was also associated with summer. So, like, bloodletting was supposed to be like, oh, people are getting, like, red and hot during the summer, so, like, we need to let out some blood, and then people Mm. will feel better. So, you they would have been doing a lot of bloodletting on you, Paige. (laughs) (laughs) Because you'd just be beat red all the time. <laughs> the four humors are are sort of kooky. Like obviously, we know that we're not just like bags full of meat bags full of black bile, yellow bile, phlegm, and blood. Mmm, phlegm filled <laughs> meat bag. <laughs> Uh, we know a lot more about how the human body works and why it works that way. So obviously, these are not a thing in medical science today. But apparently, this idea uh, of like balancing these humors and using them to like describe somebody's personality remains a staple of European medicine until at least the 1700s. Wow. Which like arguably was a very long time ago still and like you know, we have a society have come so far since then, but like, it still feels too late. (laughs) Yeah, it does. (laughs) Like they came up with this in 400 BC (laughs) and you're telling me that 2100 years later, somebody wasn't like, "Mm, wait a second. (laughs) We don't want to think this medicine thing like and update it for this millennia. (laughs) Okay. So that's the original. That's when we start this whole thing with personality tests and like trying to find a way to put people in groups and or put people in boxes and define why they are the way that they are. So in the modern sense, the way that we would think about a personality test now um, with like yes or no questions and you're filling out a questionnaire or ranking things um, based on like how likely or not likely at all, whatever. Um, The original one of these was 
I guess, again, developed longer ago than I would have thought. (laughs) But in 1917, and it was developed by the U.S. Army during World War I. So this is called the Psychoneurotic Inventory. And it was meant to identify enlisted soldiers that had nervous temperaments and would be susceptible to shell shock, or what today we know as PTSD. So, yeah, like this was like weeding out people that they thought might be very susceptible to it or identifying ones that actually had it. So at that time, about 15%, so Britain's already in World War I by the time the U.S. joins. So at that time, about 15% of British soldiers were being sent home because they had PTSD. Because, like, who doesn't have PTSD after participating in trench warfare? Right. (laughs) Um, But the U.S.'s National Committee for Mental Hygiene uh, sent a man named Dr. Thomas Salmon to help develop a screening process for enlistees that was like meant to keep people out of the army who would be susceptible to PTSD if the U.S. were to actually like join in World War One. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we hadn't decided to. So as part of this effort, Columbia professor Robert Sessions Woodworth created a questionnaire of yes-no questions that would eventually be given to 1,000 recruits. So here's some of the questions out of these 100 total questions that they came up with. And I think I picked these because they're like sort of weird. (laughs) Um, Can you sit still without fidgeting? I don't think I can. I definitely know your brother can't. (laughs) I can't. I'm I'm a leg shaker. Yeah. Uh, Do you often have the feeling of suffocating? I mean, not me, but like, that's a heavy question. Yeah. Uh, Do you like outdoor life? I'm guessing like the positive answer to that was yes. I don't know that there needs to be a positive answer. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, have you ever been afraid of going insane? Like that to that, I can say absolutely. I am currently going insane. <laughs> I ask myself that, or I'm I'm worried about that almost every day. <laughs> so yeah, so some of these are like they're you know they're sort of heavy questions, or like some of them are just a little weird. Um, the World War One version would be later adapted for industrial research and become the Woodworth personal data sheet. Like, because capitalism, I guess, we have to find a way to, you know, weed out our co-workers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this includes questions like, do you ever get so angry that you see red? I was like, I bet Paige will say yes to that. Yeah. <laughs> been there um do you get tired of people easily and for that i was like yes i do (laughs) (laughs) that's it i those questions i struggle with because it's like my answer is both yes and no sure you know like big crowds absolutely people i don't like people i'm not really engaging with yes but like yeah my people know depends on how late at night it is (laughs) okay so once it becomes the woodworth personal data sheet this is the start of applying psychology quantitatively to 
assess intelligent, determine aptitude for different jobs, and weed out the mentally unfit. So like literally they were like, great, we can use this to discriminate against people. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> like, great. We're so surprised. Um, and Woodworth is considered the grandfather to all other personality tests. So what we know today is like all those personality tests down to like the ones that are like, are you a summer or an autumn in May? magazines that you can fill out. This is where it all starts. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Great job, Robert Woodworth, for our entertainment value at least. Okay, so his is the, the, the grandfather to all of these. Some of his questions were even incorporated into later evaluations that were created, including the 1930 Thurstone personality schedule and the 1927 mental hygiene inventory. Right off the bat, getting into it, you can see how some of this would be used in like morally questionable ways yeah, definitely. to discriminate people. For example, and like, you know, and it was, spoiler alert, for example, many managers believe that people trying to organize labor unions should be considered mentally unstable or neurotic. So personality tests were used to like give Uh. to other employees and be like, oh, you don't want to, you know, show up as unstable or neurotic because we might suspect you of labor activity or just to, to weed them out to get rid of the person before they could try to unionize. So (laughs) that sounds about right. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's probably still going on. Another key factor to note here is that early personality tests like this were all focused on negative aspects of personality, like neurosis, emotional instability, and maladjustment. So that means they are considered unidimensional when it's focused on like a single thing. I can't remember if it's specifically negative, but they're skewed one way or the other. Personality tests become what we would call multidimensional over the next decade or so. Uh, For example, the 1931 Bernreuter Personality Inventory, or BPI, considers neurotic tendency, self-sufficiency, introversion or extroversion, and dominance or submission. So, like, still the neurotic tendency, but, like, there are some more positive aspects that it's rating you, or things that aren't necessarily positive or negative, like being introverted versus extroverted. So, why do we, as a society, like personality tests? And listen, this is, listeners... This is where we tell you that Paige and I love personality tests. <laughs> like, <laughs> and before this episode, I have seen plenty of stuff like about that they are mostly bullshit. Like, I don't buy into it for the most part anyway. Um, but I love them. Like, give me a new like personality test. Like, sign me up. I want to know what I am and like. Yeah. What makes me similar to all my other group members? <laughs> and then I'm going to read about it for like the next six months. Yeah. Yeah. Like the most recent one to go around that we remember is like the Enneagram stuff blew up like a year or two ago. Paige and I were all about that. <laughs> yeah. I've done them all. <laughs> I've taken classes where we had to take several of these in college. and. Yes. It was one of, there was one class specifically where it was like, that was my favorite class. 
class that semester. I love learning about myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's very, it's very (laughs) self-centered. So we, we get taken in by these. So I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that. So (laughs) a Psychology Today article by Dr. Jennifer Fayard called, Why Do We Like Personality Tests? even the bad ones, I think just summed it up very nicely and like very succinctly. But one, we want to learn something we didn't know about ourselves. Yeah, it's just like a new little fact you can learn about yourself and like read all the little like, what does this mean about you things or whatever. So again, it's like a a selfish thing. We want to belong. We want to have a group that we fit into and like have reasons why we are the way that we are. Uh, And that brings us to number three, which is we want simple ways to understand other people. Why are you so horrible? Oh, I get it. That's your (laughs) thing. (laughs) Yeah. As I'm saying this and keep this in mind, like one of the ones that we'll talk about, like, does have scientific basis and like does get used some, I think, like in the psychology community. But for the most part, even like the official ones, we're going to talk about Myers-Briggs, whatever. Some of it is just like, it's just not accurate. It's just people are way more complicated than these things. So I, I keep I keep laughing because it's like some of it's just not even that much worse than like astrology stuff, which we initially had in this episode. And then I was like, we are not ready for that. <laughs> I think that like the other thing to keep in mind with these is like you're the one answering them. So you're not. Yeah, you're not like the most unbiased observer of yourself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I have to like ask myself some of the ones like am I like I have to sort of go through this cycle of questions like for one that I feel like I'm struggling with. Like, yeah, like I'll think like, well. Am I answering this because it's more flattering to me to answer it that way? Like, it's very hard to, like, self-rate yourself. Right. Um, I think most people would, like, sort of skew away from more negative aspects automatically. And then I also sit there and think, like, well, I've taken all of these before. So I generally know, like, what I'm going to get unless it's a truly brand new one. Yeah. And then you start questioning yourself. Right. And you're like, Am I answering it because like it is me or am I answering it because I think this is like where I should end up in this thing? <laughs> but importantly, Paige and I really like personality tests. Uh, there are, you know, very logical reasons as to why people like them. As you'll see throughout this, I don't even think I can wait to bring it up again. Like for the most part, people who tell you stuff based on like your star sign and your zodiac sign, whatever, like it's not much better. (laughs) These aren't that much better. (laughs) They're a little Uh, better. Well, some of them are. (laughs) Okay. So that's our little like how did we get here? Where did personality tests come from? Where do we get the first one? We get the Woodworth psychoneurotic inventory. I already forgot what it was called or no, that's, it starts as psychoneurotic inventory and it becomes Woodworth personal data sheet. Sounds very respectable. (laughs) The other one sounds kind of (laughs) scary. Okay. So 
Why are we talking about them? Because again, you might think like, what is a podcast that talks about spooky stuff doing talking about personality tests? So A, we really like them. (laughs) (laughs) B, I have seen a few videos or articles floating around recently, like because I'm interested in them. So I'm sure that's why I get shown them about just like how sketchy some of the science is behind some of these and how they can be very problematic. So it definitely fits into like, we're sort of like on a pseudoscience crushing episode right now. (laughs) Not necessarily a paranormal episode. Although I would say that there's still an aspect of sort of woo-woo, frou-frou out there stuff that can be found in stuff like astrology that like people get, you know, like I'm a Scorpio. What? You're really shitting on astrology. I know. I'm shitting on astrology. Here's why I'm shitting on astrology. (laughs) You have a couple of things that we will probably talk about during this episode where like some of your personality traits are, well, we both will. Like some of them just aren't very flattering. So like I'm the most unflattering one of all the zodiac signs. Like anytime they're like, wow, this person's a total fucking asshole. They're very angry and crazy. Like it's always like, oh, they must be a Scorpio. (laughs) So I'm offended. That's how I feel every time I take a personality test. Exactly. Like just the fact that there's a heavy dose of like unfounded science in this. So a lot of it feels or is very pseudoscience-y. So I think that definitely fits with what we're trying to do here. Two, there are things about it just that I've said it, I'm sure like, oh, that's like scarily accurate, right? So there's sort of this like spooky aspect to it. Like, how does it know how I am what I am? Like that's sort of creepy. Uh, And I guess the last reason is just like, they're just everywhere. And I was interested in learning more about them. Um, They're so prevalent. So since that initial Woodworth personality data sheet came out almost 100 years ago, no, over, we'll just say around 100 years ago. The number of personality assessments and the use of them in hiring and business settings has skyrocketed. And as of 2017, personality tests were a $500 million per year industry. Yeah, and growing. (laughs) 13% of American employers use them during the interview process, which to that I say, like, knock that shit off. (laughs) Yeah, that's... I hate that. Uh, Because, yeah, because, like, I keep looking at this and... I, I read a couple of things where it's like it's it seriously is like it's sort of like corporate gaslighting. Like we start giving these things to like high schoolers and it's meant to like be like a like some of them will be fit into like what jobs would work best for you and stuff like that. And so it's like, I don't know, you just get into this world where it's like employers are just trying to see like, see, like your personality traits fit so well with this type of work in our company, like you should just love working for us for the sake of it. Like, that's where you fit in. <laughs> so I think there's a time and a place for them at, in work. Because, like, yeah, I... You've had to, like, actually take them for work. I never have because I haven't been in, like, a... Like, I've always been in academia, not a corporate setting. Yeah. I've taken them a couple of times. And it is kind of nice because the, a lot of the ones that I have taken, it talks more about like what you like and what makes you happy and like what your passions are. Uh And so I think it's the ones at least I've taken for work. It feels like it's more about better understanding the team you already have 
and finding yeah. like ways to make sure they're happiest in like working as a team versus like I've never had to take one to get a job. That seems pretty fucked to me. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know how you do that like without discriminating. Right. Basically. Right. <laughs> um, but I think like taking it with a with an already like developed team to try to understand better like what makes people tick and what makes them happy. Like, I don't know. I think that yeah. kind of works. Okay. Fair enough. I think I mostly, yeah, I mean, like, what you said, which is to use them in the hiring process is, like... Yeah, that's gross. Don't do that. <laughs> right. Just interview me. Like, you're going to get a feel of whether or not you like my personality by talking right. to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I would argue, like, well, as someone who's introverted, because somebody made me take that thing and, like, held that against me because it was a sales or, like, some other thing. It's like, there are plenty of like actors and and celebrities who are obviously like very good at performing when they need to and turning it on when they need to right. but like are introverted people. So, that's bullshit. <laughs> that's what I say. So anyway, we are going to talk about a couple of specific tests. We're going to talk about the Myers-Briggs, which is what I took in high school psychology, and then we will talk about the big 5. Yeah. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Paige. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We're going to start with the Myers-Briggs and just do, we're going to give the Myers-Briggs origin story. Uh, (laughs) It's like superheroes, only worse. (laughs) (laughs) The Myers-Briggs type indicator, the MBTI, wasn't really started by Carl Jung, but we're going to talk about him for a second and just talk about some of his thoughts and his studies, uh, because it's really what laid, I guess, the groundwork for what eventually became the MBTI. So Carl Jung was a Swiss psychiatrist and psychoanalyst who founded analytical psychology. And in 1921, Jung published Psychology Types, where he described what is referred to as the Jungian cognitive functions or psychological functions. And these were four what he was calling functions that were broken into two categories, thinking versus feeling, and sensing versus intuition. And according to Jung, each of these functions were motivated by a person's main attitude, which was either introversion or extroversion. So if you've taken the MBTI or you like at least know what the results look like, it's four categories. It's thinking versus feeling, sensing versus intuition, extroversion versus introversion, and then judging versus perceiving. So we're really already with with this publication of his starting to kind of see where the MBTI comes in. Importantly, based off of everything I've read, the functions were purely based off of Jung's personal experiences with people. Yeah. These weren't like groupings that he had done like research on he didn't have any sort of like controlled experiment that he was running it was just how he was perceiving people around him and other psychologists at the time which is sort of like red flag the only red flag that you need right yeah he's he's making these 
these observations and just no no scientific data here right <laughs> to back this up <laughs> these are just thoughts and feelings about people at this point <laughs> yeah which like not to say that carl jung like was not very smart or very observant or like had valuable things to say about observing people because he was like trained in psychology but like you gotta test out your ideas a little bit <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> fast forward 30, 40 years. Uh, in the 1950s and 60s, Catherine Cook Briggs and her daughter, Isabel Briggs Myers, they're the ones who really end up creating the MBTI um, and they use Jung's theory to do so. So here's the thing about these two. <laughs> Sources that I've read through have like some very different stories as to like how or why they really ended up here, um, like oh. how Catherine got was even interested in studying psychology. But what does seem to be true in each of the stories I've read is that there is a person in her life. Now, sometimes it's her husband. I've read uh, son-in-law. There may have been another. But there's somebody in her life that she notices sees the world very differently than her and others in their family and she becomes very interested in understanding, like, why? Why why are you the way that you are? <laughs> Which is somehow sort of worse than, like, just being interested in understanding herself. <laughs> right. Like, that feels very personal. <laughs> like, I need a way to define the way you are acting right now. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine like if it was a family member or a child or something like that and they're like my mother literally invented something to explain, to explain why why i am the way that i am <laughs> like if you did not need therapy for your mother's psychology dabblings before that you definitely need it afterwards <laughs> <laughs> so Catherine, she really doesn't have any formal psychology training, but she was really smart. Well, this is another red flag going <laughs> up <woman>. there, guys. <laughs> uh, she, this is another potentially debatable fact. I don't know how true it, how true okay. it is, but I read it a couple places that she studied agriculture in college and apparently graduated top of that class at age 14. So, like, maybe no formal psychology training, but if this is all true, she was definitely a very smart woman. Yeah. So, after years of collecting information by reading biographies, and I also read studying the chi the neighborhood children. Yeah, I think I read that she, like, ran a daycare in her house or something. Yeah. So, <laughs> possibly. What? what one or the other. What are we doing? <laughs> but through these things, she comes up with a typology where she's identified four functions of her own. Basically, she has this like whole four functions theory. And later in life, she learns about Jung and reads psychology type and discovers the similarities in her theories to Jung's theories. So, she goes on to study a little bit more and do some articles, I guess, on psychology types. She's supposedly at one point claims that Jung's writing is like too difficult to understand for the average person, which like she's probably not wrong. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think I remember having to read some passages in high school and just being like, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> so 
in the late 30s, early 40s, sort of like early-ish World War II times, Briggs and Myers dedicate their time to creating the personality test indicator and do this in hopes that they will be able to help women better understand themselves and, as you said earlier, how they would fit in certain job roles. Yeah, although that feels like more of a positive thing, you know? Yeah. Women probably hadn't spent a lot of time self-reflecting on where they would fit into the workplace and stuff, so it probably gives them some confidence to understand that. Yeah, so the MBTI is officially published in 1975. So, like, they have this test, but I guess it's never, like, picked up and, like, officially published anywhere until later. Yeah, it does take a while. And so, obviously, we're doing personality tests. We had to take them and talk about them today. Here's what you need to know is, like, almost Paige and I are opposites. (laughs) Yeah, well, and so... Uh, disclaimer, we did not take the official MBTI because I'm pretty sure it's like $30 a person. And I was like, that ain't happening. It's like $50 Uh, a person. Is it? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was the big five that I'm thinking of that was 30. But yeah, it was like that wasn't going to happen. And so instead, we took the 16 personalities free test. Okay. (laughs) Spend money on that. Um, (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) And so. I think both of us had taken the real thing, though, in the past, right? Yeah, I've taken it a couple of times. Yeah, I was going to say, because I had taken it in the past, like the the actual one in the past. Yeah. So Paige and I are opposites uh, for the most part, but I am an INFP. And then now they've added a fifth thing, which is, is it T? T, what's the other letter? I think A, but whatever it is, it's assertive versus turbulent. Okay, it's got to be A then. T T and A. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but I'm an INFP-T, which apparently makes me the mediator. Um, But, so we didn't have this extra, like, T or A at the end in high school. Uh, But I think I got the same thing. Um, I I don't even think. I'm, like, 99.9% sure that I got the same thing. So still an INFP, which means uh, they do give you percentages towards each thing that you fall. So I'm 89% introverted. We are not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) You guys would hate me in real life. So I'm an INFP. I'm 89% introverted. What are you? Um, So I'm ESFJ and Uh I am 78% extroverted. (laughs) (laughs) I don't hear things yet. Of course you are. (laughs) Uh, yeah, we are like just we're opposite. <laughs> uh, and I'm 72% intuitive. So what that means, because like introverted, extroverted, we all we all know what that means. Um, Do we in- though? Well, <laughs> but yes, I think generally people have a sense for at least means. an idea. Yeah. Um, if you are intuitive, or which is not I, it's N because you can't have two eyes. Um, they are very imaginative, open-minded, and curious. And apparently I value originality and focus on hidden meanings and distant possibilities. <laughs> Does, do they you- definitely like showed a little picture of a scientist on one of the things I looked at. So I was <laughs> like, there you go. <laughs> All right. What are you, Paige? So I, again, got the other letter. So I'm an S and I'm 51% observant. How'd they get um, 
S out of observant. Because there's an S in it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't make the rules. Um, wait. No, this is sensing. No, it's sensing. Oh, they had weird things on there. Oh, it's because of the thingy. Yeah. So it's sensing, but I don't know. Sensing versus intuition, but yeah. Yeah. So it's um, focus on the reality of how things are. Pay attention to concrete facts and details. Prefer ideas that have practical applications and like to describe things in a specific literal way. Yeah. There you go. But like just barely though. Like yeah, I'm like in the middle. You're I'm in basically, the middle. Yeah, because yeah. I would like also say that you're like a creative person. You know, I'm somewhere in there. You like to do like some creative things. Yeah, like you did dance and music and stuff. That's true. Yeah. All right. You're still sensitive. It's okay. No, you're sensing. God damn it! <laughs> I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Okay, so our third one, I N F. And I was pretty close to the middle here. 51% feeling. Had I gotten thinking, I would have been the exact opposite of Paige. It's true. <laughs> so I, was, I was so close. <laughs> what does it mean if we are feeling? I am 54% feeling. So like this one, we're pretty matched up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're both towards the middle, which yeah. again is like, you'll find out one of the problems with this test. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, feeling individuals are sensitive and emotionally expressive. They are more empathetic and less competitive than thinking types and focus on social harmony and cooperation. I'll be honest, based on that, I'm like surprised that I wasn't like further on that spectrum. What it might be is like, I feel like I'm two different people in that respect. Like if it, if we're talking about work versus like my personal life. That's what I was going to say. I was going to yeah. read you the thinking one because that, that's... Yeah, because like I cry a lot, (laughs) so that feels like a very like feeling thing, right? (laughs) Emotionally expressive, but like I would say that I'm like a pretty empathetic person. I'd I'd rather people cooperate and be nice, but like yeah, read the thinking one. (laughs) Um, so thinking folks make decisions in an impersonal way using logical reasoning, value justice, fairness enjoy finding the flaws in an argument and could be described as reasonable or level-headed. Oh, yeah. So I like also can see myself on that side of it as well. (laughs) That's why I'm in the middle. There we go. Right. (laughs) I guess I'm saying this is a criticism, but it's like, well, I I mean, I'm in the middle because in certain situations I'm one and then other situations I'm the opposite. Okay, so next we are on... P for me, which is J for pain. <laughs> so P means is perceiving or perception. Um, apparently, I prefer to be spontaneous uh, and I'm flexible, like to changing plans and good at adapting. And I am 81% judging. So that means I am decisive, thorough, and highly organized. I value clarity, predictability, and closure, preferring structure and planning to spontaneity. There you go. But I'm like, I'm again towards the middle because I think it's situational. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And then I guess, I don't know if it's a newer one or where this fifth one came from, but apparently I'm 88% turbulent, which like sort of makes me sound like I'm a nightmare. (laughs) 
self like this is the negative one the other ones are kind of like yeah that sounds nice turbulent individuals are self-conscious and sensitive to stress like i'm sorry yes i am sensitive to stress (laughs) give me a break they feel a sense of urgency in their emotions and tend to be success-driven, perfectionistic, and eager to improve. Okay, well, that's more positive, but I feel called out. <laughs> I was also a T. Yeah. So we had that one the same as well. We did have that one the same. Okay, so we had two out of five numbers the same. <laughs> but the letters. ones that They're were different <laughs> were, like, pretty different. They're not yeah, numbers. right. That's yeah, we, we had some very different uh making big five those are numbers that's what we'll say yeah but anyway yeah like we we are very opposite in some some reasons but like i told Paige, like she's just my emotional support extrovert (laughs) or maybe i'm her emotional support introvert we don't know i mean i yeah here's the thing is that every one of my closest friends is is introverted very introverted not very introverted but introverted yeah yeah. So. Well. I don't know what that says about me. Apparently, I just collect all the introverts. You collect all the introverts, <laughs> or we just gravitate towards someone who can make all our phone calls for us. <laughs> <laughs> e- but e- yeah, so here's the thing. I wrote down like a few of, of so the, the overall strengths and weaknesses for my type. So I'm, again, INFP, uh, and like... The strengths are obviously very nice, loyal and devoted, sensitive to feelings, um, <laughs> which like just by being offended by that, it's like, well, that is proving <laughs> the point. Um, <laughs> caring and interested in others, works well alone, value close relationships. And then my weaknesses can be overly idealistic, takes everything personally. I'm taking this personally. <laughs> um <laughs> Every fucking test I'm offended by. <laughs> Difficult to get to know. That was the one where I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> they know. <laughs> yes, do you know me? <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, the, I don't have to go through the entire list. But yeah, every, you know how these work. <laughs> I don't feel that bad about any of mine. It's like, yeah, okay. They're all pretty... They're generally positive (laughs) we had to take a personality test recently well i guess we didn't have to but we took one for work recently Uh and um we got i was taking it with one of my coworkers, and we both got our results around the same time and i was like i am very offended by my results and he says (laughs) he says oh are your feelings hurt by by what the scary computer thinks of you And I said, no, my feelings are hurt by what I think of me. <laughs> I'm the one answering these questions, not the computer. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that just makes me feel bad. <laughs> Although it is accurate. The real personality test is how you feel about taking the personality test. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Paige, what would you say are some problems with the Myers Briggs test that we haven't already talked about? <laughs> oh wait, I wanted to say one fun fact about mine. Oh so, yeah, yeah. You forgot to do your strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, I'll do, do those. Uh yeah. So my strengths, you've already told me this test. I'm observant, 
friendly, organized, hardworking, positive, and compassionate. My weaknesses are that I am illogical, uncreative, shallow, inflexible, and (laughs) narrow-thinking. Jesus. I know. I mean, rough. We picked uh, the, I think, the strengths and weaknesses from different different sites, but the site yeah. I picked is not holding back. <laughs> no, mine was nicer. But again, I take everything personally. So, of course, I'm going to pick the nicer one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm here to tell every one of the listeners these are all the problems with me. <laughs> <laughs> this is why the show is the way that it is. <laughs> So the, one of the biggest criticism is is this limited binaries issue because there, everyone says like personality is a spectrum. You can't categorize somebody as extroverted or introverted. Like people are somewhere in the middle. So that's an issue. <laughs> <laughs> no, just it. Yeah, it tries to put like, like everything's not black and white, right? We're shades of gray. <laughs> like the more valuable thing is probably to look at it the way that Paige and I are looking at it, where it's like, oh, well, this said, you know, for example, Paige is 54, is is F for feeling. But like, if you look at the percentage results, it's only 54%. So she's only like barely over that line. So like, you would be the shade of gray here, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like, they do give you those percentages and I don't I don't know if like the I can't remember if like the normal MBTI or like the official MBTI test gives you those or not but even if they did like your personality as a whole is really just categorized based off of whichever yeah, like what, side the, what, whichever side you're on whether it was like yeah. one percent on that side right <laughs> so yeah so that's one issue with the test. I did want to talk about um, the Barnum effect really fast. And this isn't really like an MBTI specific thing, I don't think. It's just sort of a general criticism of personality tests. Um, and that is the – so the Barnum effect, which is a phenomenon that occurs when people believe that the personality descriptions – their reading applies specifically to them, even if they're like really generalized or, you know, or like will they will basically like make themselves believe that what they're reading is them because that's what the test told them. Well, that's like exactly what I was telling you when I'm taking these things. Like sometimes I sit there and think like, am I answering this? Because like, I think this is the way that I'm supposed to answer this, like based on right. other results that I've gotten. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is, is if you got any one of, I mean, some of them, I think we all know, right? Like there's no way I'm ever text testing as an introvert on any of these tests. Yeah. Like that's, that's just like a core part of who I am as a person. But like uh-huh. a lot of them aren't, I don't think quite that obvious. And so it's like, you think if I were to get an E and then any of the other three letters after that, like I'm going to read it and I'm going to be like, yeah, that's me. Like there's going to be bits and pieces. Right. You know, because it's generalized because otherwise like you would never believe it. Well, and it's, and it's like, it's, it's also just like a tactic that people use um, when they're like trying to like conspiracy theory stuff or like pseudoscience based on pseudoscience. Like it's, it's, overloading people with information and giving them like all these different things but it's like if a few of them 
are like right, then like they can sort of ignore the stuff that like doesn't add up, basically. Right. <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, that's me. Like even if like it's really generic stuff. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, that's the Barnum effect. And like I said, I didn't really want to, I guess, talk about it specifically, uh, just the MBTI, because I think this isn't a criticism really of most, if not all, personality tests. So, yes. And then I didn't really have any other specific things to talk about outside of like the modern psychologists of today, sort of just like for the most part disregard the test. Um, Even the psychologists on the CPP's board, which is the company who publishes the test now to take, um, don't really even seem to discuss it much of at all in their own research. Oh. And there seems just like overall to be very little research about it. It's not written about much. I have found, I mean, a couple of articles referencing it, um, but like even several of those are articles about how it's like the reason it's not reliable or not like yeah, questioning the validity of the test. So yeah, I mean, I feel like if other psychologists are sort of saying like, well, this is a little bit hocus pocus, then like probably it is. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I did read too that there's like a financial aspect to it because like you have to pay to like get certified to be able to give the test and interpret the results. Um, And then like we said, like if you're just a single person who like wants to take the test, you have to pay like 40 or $50 Um, or like companies can pay a bunch of money to give it to their employers or to their employers, to their employees. But some of it I think is like because they've invested like all this money in getting somebody who's certified to give the test and interpret the results and stuff for them and they've like purchased the rights to be able to give the test like it continues to persist and continues to be used because like that's what people have paid for and that's what they know like regardless of if it is like scientifically valid (laughs) right I mean that's basically all I have to say about the MBTI I did See in the Vox.com article why the Myers-Briggs test is totally meaningless. I uh-huh. got sort of a kick out of them saying towards the end, the one thing the Myers-Briggs is good for is entertainment. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> yes, basically. get some entertainment out of taking it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like, it's hard though. Like I, it's, it feels like a blind spot or something that I have because I said like like I I love taking them and like every time I do it's like gosh I know they say that like this is kind of bullshit but like man that just like really seems like me so like maybe I should just be more creeped out by that that like the people creating these are like so good at honing in to like getting it like just right enough or just general enough that like people feel like like it's tricking their brains into thinking like yeah like this is right this is me you know yeah really we should both what we should have done is taken some time to read through the descriptions of like other personalities oh. to say like oh does that also cuz like like i said i think there are some that you read and you're just like that isn't me even a little bit but right. you're probably just not going to test in those anyway. Yeah. Any, yeah. And any of the ones that like you, you know, are kind of around the same 
results is what you got. Like, I wonder if we just read them all, we'd be like, oh, that's me. Oh, and that, that's yeah, me too. Yeah, like that totally feels, yeah, see, You're, that's science right there. Hell yeah, look at us. <laughs> We've done it. That would be the, yeah, like how often do we just think like, yeah, that's that's definitely me. I mean, even just like briefly, so this is just on the Myers-Briggs website and it gives a brief description of each personality type. And it's like, you're good. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you're gonna, there's overlap between each of them, right? Right. You have like one number or one one letter or two (laughs) letters in common. Like there's going to be overlap. So you can, I like, I can see them and convince myself like, yeah, that's me, you know, but I don't know. It's hard to tell if they're just tricking my brain. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) now i'm scared (laughs) okay yeah yeah so that is the myers-briggs i am like positive that if anybody has you know spent any time taking these types of like almost everybody has taken the myers-briggs at some point or another yeah or or at least like one of these like little myers-briggs spin-off things right (laughs) fellow infps we ride a dawn Uh, (laughs) we're gonna take over the world so the next one we are going to talk about so we did sort of like the one that you know apparently is just bs and like maybe you're better off just again consulting your zodiac sign (laughs) the next is called the big five which you can clarify this for me but i had read this was the one that has currently has the most scientific basis and like actually is not a total disaster yes so we will i will talk about that um i don't know that it that i would say the most scientific basis still necessarily okay um i mean i don't (laughs) i don't know that there is one that somebody would claim has like more but there could be another that exists now. Um, But yeah, it's definitely, (laughs) it's got more going for it than the Myers-Briggs. Like there's actually some scientific data that went into creating this. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of wild how they created it because it just is very different than I would have thought. So yes, the big five. Now, had you taken the big five before taking it? No, I wasn't familiar with this one at all. Okay, so this is one that I um, took. We had like several weeks in one of the psychology courses that I took in college uh, where we took this and then like we took like the the full like written test. So it's like mm-hmm. it's like a damn binder you have to take. Um, <laughs> Great. And then got our results and like had to do some project around it or something. It was it was a lot of fun. So anyways, that's that's what started my love for the, the yeah. personality test. Which I can, like, again, just totally see how this would appeal to a high school student. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, like, the whole idea of personality tests. It's like they're, like, they're hooking us in, you know? Because, like, at a time in your life where, like, that's your whole deal is figuring out, like, who am I? Right. (laughs) What am I going to do with my life? Like, I'm so insecure about, like, who do I fit in with? Like, all this stuff. And then they, like, give you a thing that's, like this is who you are <laughs> and this is what you can do with it. It's predatory page. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So like I said, I thought the history here was pretty interesting, but 
there's sort of a lot going on. So I didn't feel like we had the time to do like a full deep dive. So I'm just going to touch on a couple points. Uh, but the Rittorio article, uh, History of the Big Five, Why This Online Psychometric Test Packs a Punch by Elizabeth T., I thought did a really good job of, I don't know, just like making it easy to digest and hit a lot of the points that I had seen in some of the other sources I had read yeah. about it. So and that's Rittorio spelled R-E-T-O-R-I-O dot com. We'll link that one specifically in the show notes so that way you guys can go at it if you want to. Yeah. So <laughs> according to that article, uh, the big five, like you mentioned, is considered the gold standard of personality tests and seems to be the only test or at least like the only really well-known test to have decades of research and scientific backing. So the test was created after years of research in trait theory and trait Theorists believe that your traits and the strength of those traits is what makes up your personality, gotcha. which like isn't that different, really? Yeah, it's basically doing what we're saying. Like it's trying to take it off of a binary, right? Like we're all some portion between like two endpoints, right? At least in terms of personality. So Elizabeth T. says the whole theory is rooted in the idea that individual differences that are socially relevant would naturally arise in language. And Their language? Yes. It's going to get weird for a second. Okay. So it's very different than I thought. <laughs> I was like, what does this have to do with the test I took? <laughs> I know. It's weird. So like I said, this is like very, very brief. So if you want to read more about it, go there. But uh, basically... Gordon Alport proposes the first trait theory in 1936, and he basically goes through the dictionary and identifies every adjective that describes personality. Whoa. So like 4,500 is what I've read adjectives somewhere around there. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of work that's done between him and Robert Cattell ends, but um, Cattell groups some of these words and then surveys people to determine how many of those groups they are hearing being used in their everyday lives. At this point, I think he has like access to a computer or at least a way to like group them uh, based off of similarities and such. And then, yeah, surveys people and he comes down from those results, from those surveys he generates the 16 factors test, which to me sounds like it's just 16 different traits that you're basically testing, similar to this one, but just more. Yeah. Okay. So basically, like he, it was like, what? How do people talk about you in your yes. day-to-day life? Okay. It's basically like having to write yourself, think like, what would my, what would the cover sheet for my life look like? Or not cover sheet, what would the cover letter for my life look like? Yeah. And like, I guess, yeah, the, the thought is if people are talking and describing people with certain word, or like using certain words uh-huh. and those words describe personality, then like those are the traits, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. So very different than I thought it was going to be. So then Uh in the 19, like I said, more work is done. There's a lot more that goes into it. But 
In the 1970s, uh, their research teams led by Paul Costa and Robert McRae from the National Institute of Health and Warren Norman from the University of Michigan and then Lewis Goldberg at the University of Oregon. These research groups go through and they survey thousands of people. I didn't get a specific number, but okay. they re- or they survey all of these people. And that survey gave them five personality traits. And those are the five traits that are now being used in the big five. Oh, so we've cut down from 16 to five. Down to five. Yeah. And it sounds like like the survey is sort of the same thing. Like, how would you describe your friend Sally? Um, (laughs) You know, like things like that. That's that's ultimately what they're asking people. And then they they are able to get down to these five traits. Really, these are the ones that people are using most frequently to describe people. Okay. I'm just going to go ahead and I'll just talk about this now. One of the biggest criticisms I saw sort of repeated throughout some of the articles I read was that a lot of theorists seem to agree that like trait theory makes sense, that traits uh-huh. and personality are related, um, and that this is like, you know, sort of the way to think about it. The main criticism or disagreement with this specific test is the number of traits uh. being used. So, yeah, should you be testing three? Should you be t- testing 12? Yeah. Well, yeah, because like each of those traits is like an aspect of your personality. Right. But like there could be any number of binary traits in between those that haven't been identified. And the problem is they put these five together to like say broad things about your personality as a whole, but it's like, but there are missing pieces. (laughs) Right. So this test, the big five, it tests, you guessed it, five traits. And the five traits are known by the acronym OCEAN. So it's openness to experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, neuroticism. Okay. What does it mean to be your scale of conscientiousness? (laughs) So the higher the score, the more motivated and trustworthy you are, the lower, the more irresponsible and easily distracted you are. Mm. For agreeableness, higher scores are more friendly and empathetic. Lower scores are more shy and suspicious. And then for neuroticism, the higher score is somebody who's anxious and moody, um, and the lower score is someone who is more calm or confident. So it's about emotional stability. Yeah. I'm going to do them in the order that the ocean acts. Okay. (laughs) They give them to you in a different order, but I'm doing it in the order of the ocean acronym. So. The first one in Ocean is openness to experience, which I guess is just like, how much do you like to do new things, I guess? <laughs> or sure. like, I think it's, yeah, like, I think it's more about like creativity. and. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I got openness to experience. I got a 99%. It's not percent. I got a 99. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got an 85 Okay. Which is like pretty similar to Myers-Briggs. Like I skew a little bit more towards like the creative, like open side, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the same. The next one is conscientiousness. (laughs) Sorry. Hold on. What? 
Um, so if you look at like our compared results, uh-huh. it shows us like where we scored it. So in each of the big five personality traits, it's also broken down in like each of those are broken down into five categories. So like for oh, openness yeah. to experience, it's imagination, artistic interests, emotionality, adventurousness, intellect, and liberalism. Uh-huh. And the only one that I was higher than you in is adventurousness. <laughs> <laughs> also, I was way higher in intellect, so. Yeah, well, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll, we should just post this link. <laughs> People yeah, can so look at can them. See. Yeah, we'll post this link so you guys can see. But yeah, like Paige said, so there's these five things, and then each of the five is broken into five things. So, like, really, it's the big five times five. It's the big 25. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like pretty, so I guess it, it in that sense, it grew because if it was, because I was like, oh, it went down from 16 to five, but it's like, no, really we went up from 16 to 25. Oh, uh, yeah, fair enough. There you go. Well, just debunked that one from our own confusion. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so then the next one, do we do conscientiousness? Oh, I just said I was 87. And I'm 85. You're 85. So pretty much the same there. And the different things included in conscientiousness are self-efficacy, an individual's belief in his or her capacity to execute behaviors necessary to produce specific performance attainments. Huh. An individual's belief in their capacity to act in the ways necessary to reach specific goals. Yeah, so like if you have a goal you want to achieve, then you know what you need to do to get done. You have a better idea of how you're going to get there? Yeah. Oh, no, I have a better idea. Oh, slightly. (laughs) We're pretty even for the most part on these, right? Yeah. Yeah, 87 and 85. So, you know, not much difference here. Yeah, I think the only two difference, the only ones that I see any real difference with us is uh, self-discipline and Oh, Paige has way more self-discipline. That is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> That's just true, guys. <laughs> okay. Uh, Next one is E, extroversion versus, well, it's just how extroverted you are, which I'm only got a 60 on this. And I got 102. <laughs> We're not surprised. Yeah, Paige is like, <laughs> it's a blue and a green bar. And Paige is just like enormous compared to my <laughs> friendliness, way friendlier. Gregariousness, way more gregarious. Assertiveness, way more assertive. <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> i should be offended but like i know this about myself so i'm not offended i've accepted that this is the way that i am <laughs> it's not a bad thing to be introverted no we need introverts too um <laughs> okay uh that put this like the a agreeableness oh yeah which i got a 95 i got a 102 on that too okay we were not that different the only one that looks significantly different is apparently I trust people a lot less than Paige, which is probably accurate. <laughs> <laughs> agreeable individuals value getting along with others. All right. I should probably have lower agreeableness. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then, <laughs> and then the N, neuroticism. I got a 111. I got 75. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's all blue here. Anxiety, me. Anger, me. Depression, me. (laughs) Self-consciousness, it's me. In moderation, definitely me. And vulnerability, it's me. (laughs) Neuroticism refers to the tendency to experience negative feelings. I have never met a negative feeling that I didn't want to experience. (laughs) Here's the thing. Like, these are fun, you know? At least this one's like a little more scientifically valid. Yeah. I think it's the one your brother took too recently. This one? Yeah. Oh, I thought he took the MBTI. I don't know. He's taken that too, but I thought he took one recently for work and I swear he was sending us stuff similar to this. But like it's it's just sort of a fun thing to be categorized. But I also sit here thinking like, should I be having fun with this? We don't know. One of the questions (laughs) though, so I don't know. Well, because they're trying to they're trying to put you in a box page. Um (laughs) one and they're making a lot of money off of it. So one of the questions that I was very perplexed by <laughs> in the test that we took just said love life <laughs> and then like do you love your life like do you feel good about your life and I sat there for so long being like what about my love life okay like you're not asking me a question about my love life <laughs> here's what I'm saying though about and like this. the options were like very inaccurate to very accurate and I was like what about my love life would be accurate versus inaccurate? <laughs> I think if you read it and <laughs> you don't think the question is, do I love life? Then the answer to the question is no. <laughs> oh, like I should have put I don't love life because I don't know what this means. Because you don't know what this means. Oh, like I couldn't even like, fathom what, that yeah, they're what like could love me? life possibly mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking love life. I know. <laughs> and you know what the funny thing is? It's like, I think I put, I remember, I think I put either moderately or very accurate because, like, I do like my life. So I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say moderately uh, or very inaccurate. inaccurate. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> no, no, no. I put, I put accurate or very accurate. So, like, I might hate everyone else, but, like, I like what I've got going on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and so this one we already sort of talked about the criticisms of it was just like, yes, there's some scientific basis to this. There have been studies put in place. It's like been holding up um, a lot better than like the MBTI has, but you're still putting people into little groups, and I think that can be a problem. Yeah, and you're also trusting people like not to lie about themselves. Like I know. Many of these tests have questions built in to, like, try and catch you, basically, or try to correct for it, but still. Yeah, and I remember that being something with the, when you take, like, the full test for this is, like, mm-hmm. it's so long, mm-hmm. and they end up asking you the same question, like, yeah. three different ways throughout the test. But yeah. even if you're not purposely lying about yourself, I don't know. Like we've already talked about, you already have an idea of who you are. Yeah. Well, okay. So I guess like if we're wrapping up this episode, Paige and I like to take personality tests. (laughs) It is like some of them are accurate. And like here's the thing is we didn't do Enneagrams, which is like 
I mean, just like they could think a lot more woo-woo than like either of these. We were thinking about talking about astrology stuff, but it was like we do not have time to cover that in this episode. So that will probably be coming in a future one. But like I apparently feel a little bit more negatively about like in terms of these having a place in like the workplace and everything like that because I just I don't trust people, right? (laughs) I think this is too easy to like discriminate against people with this and like there's just just a little bit too much like aspect of like pseudosciencey stuff in here. Um I don't know. What do you think? No, I mean I don't think I disagree. I just Yeah. There was a manager who said to me recently that he likes to take these tests when they're offered at work uh-huh. because it helps remind him what makes him happy. So like For instance, like when I take these tests, like literally every one of my results is like you do well with relationship building. And he says, like, if you're testing high in those things, it's because whether or not, you know, you're answering the questions totally truthfully, you know that those things you're testing highly in, you're testing highly because you enjoy them and they like they make you happy. Sure. And so he sees it as like. I'm going to take this test and I'm going to use the results to help like me f- remember the things that like make me happy in my job so yeah. I can focus some of my attention on that. And so I think there are good uses for them. Uh, yeah. Okay. But like I think when it starts to get weird is when you have managers telling you you have to take them and then they're giving you assignments or yeah, managing you completely based off of how you tested in a, in a personality test. <laughs> Yeah, which is funny. I forgot to bring it up. Like for the MBTI, like it, I think I came across some document that they'd given given to students in Canada, like presumably ones who were thinking about, um, it, it must have been either college thinking about jobs or high school thinking about what they wanted to do in college. But like mine was literally like careers to consider, re- researcher or lab tech. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, that's what I do. But like also it had like in the sort of like arts and humanities fields they had like oh journalist or entertainer and I was like great so I'm a researcher with a podcast like I've literally done exactly (laughs) what they wanted me to (laughs) but yeah I just like some of them are weirdly accurate and like even the MBTI it's funny that people don't I don't know. It feels a little funny to me that people like say that it's mostly bullshit because like there's so much of it that feels right to me. So like maybe that again, that should be the scarier part. Um, And I guess I should also bring up the point that like I think it was Rebecca who was on the show. We were doing like AI stuff Mm -hmm. and she talked about using tarot cards um, and not necessarily because And, like, it's, you know, tarot cards, astrology, you know, horoscope stuff, right? Like, it's all sort of in the same vein. (laughs) Like, just, like, my whatever sign I was born under, like, actually affect my personality? No. But, like, the way that she said that she used them was, like, a way to confirm what she was already thinking, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. using, like, tarot cards, like, oh, what should I do today? Or, like, what should I, you know, what about this decision in my life? Like, you already know the answer to that that you want to say. So, like, you're sort of, like, giving yourself a reason to say it, you know? Yeah. It's like the whole flip a coin thing. Like, you can't make a decision, flip a coin, and you'll know what your decision is as soon as you flip it. 
Yeah, and I guess that sort of, like, feels similar to, like, how your boss said that he was using these. Like, confirm, like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm into. Like, I can think about how I fit in here, stuff like that. So, okay. So maybe there are positive things, but, like, overall, I would say personality tests sort of started out in, like, a vaguely shitty place of like specifically excluding people you know based on what they thought were negative personality traits and I think there's an aspect of like I just think like if you're gonna take them that's fine have fun with it again Paige and I love to take them but just like think about think about why you're taking them like what you want them to say about yourself (laughs) like don't use it as an excuse to be an asshole to people don't use anything as an excuse to be asshole to people. <laughs> that's just a, that's just a yeah, rule. But maybe I want more excuses to be an asshole. To people. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up our episode on personality tests. Join us next time for our fifth short and spooky episode. If you like this episode, hit subscribe and share with a friend. Check the show notes for links to all of our social media accounts, our Discord server, and Patreon. If you have any questions about previous topics or ideas for future episodes, email us at SpookyScienceSisters at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening and stay spooky. Spooky Science Sisters is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information or to check out other shows, please visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.